You were listening to episode 82 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. Take it away, Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we kick push all the way to the top in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. That's right, folks. So this week we are actually going to be playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. And I think it's Tony Hawk Pro Skater, not Tony Hawk's. And uh, in celebration of the announcement of the remastered or really redos of this entire franchise of uh, 1 and 2, which are actually the better ones, I think, out of the entire series next to Underground. So uh, as always, we're going to get started with our recent pickups. And so, Ryan, uh, this week... I picked up a pretty sweet collection uh, that came out of some random individual out in uh, Northwest Phoenix. And I picked up Wild Arms Ultra Coded F, which is a pretty good game. Xenosaga. I got uh, Jean d'Arc off of eBay the other day. And a whole bunch of like Hyperdimension Nepotina and Cross Ajax and Dragon Quest and all these crazy games off this one guy. 60 bucks was not a bad pickup dude still hunting deals oh by the way did we mention that we're uh live together again today for the first time and reunited and it feels so good dude this is like so much better to actually record face to face and having the the monitor here and being able to see what's going on i was so tired of using zencaster so i'm pretty stoked that we're we're doing this again uh so dude uh, any pickups on your end nope nothing this week uh you know that fluke of buying a game uh, last week or was it the week before? I don't know. Time means nothing anymore. I've just I've just been still playing as much Monster Train as I possibly can. I love that game. I feel like I'm going to be stuck in it for a while. But I am making a conscious effort to try and pick up uh, <laughs> playing something else. Probably Persona again. Probably Final Fantasy VII Remake again. Hopefully Wait, soon. So you guys haven't finished beating Final Fantasy VII Remake yet? No, no. We made it to the Honey Bee Inn, and that was awesome, and then we kind of didn't get back to it after that. We both kind of got wrapped up in other stuff. Your wife saw what she wanted to see, and then that was it. Basically, was I think. Yeah, yeah, it has <laughs> to be it. So, as I have been with the last several weeks, um, I am still playing um, Neverwinter Nights. So, we are still in Chapter 3. We got our first Word of Power the other day by defeating a dragon, uh, which was pretty awesome. So, we, de we defeated a white dragon and then next is defeating a did it have dragon. blue eyes it did not have blue eyes and seto kaiba was not behind it i do know seto kaiba personally though by the way um great guy yeah he actually well you know you haven't met him yet have you no 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 you haven't met eric yeah so i actually do know him uh okay so that and then i'm also playing arc the lab 3 still uh arc Live 3 is still good i just had a crazy week um i'm not going to promote the name of a website but i've been busy also playing with wordpress this entire week so we're currently busy getting our uh, our website up and running for you guys for all of you awesome listeners and yeah it's been like nights up to 1 a.m dude just like straight up coding and finding images and everything i can to, to get this thing up and running it's looking good though oh yeah dude i'm pretty excited about it like it's where, live, can, where can they find it john well i mean i don't want to give them the exact website yet but you can find the game deflators on all your favorite podcasting applications, including Podcast Addict, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are found. And, uh, of course, if you don't see us on there, uh, let us know. Let us know on our socials, at the Game Deflators, 
on uh, Facebook, Instagram, just Game Deflators on Twitter. Exactly. And uh, one other thing to note is five-star reviews. Leave them as much as you can. And if you can leave six, that's even better. Okay. So uh, next piece of business here, since um, you know we covered our currently playing and our recent pickups or John's recent pickups we'll just we're just going to call it John's recent pickup corner John's recent pickup John's corner. recent pickup corner okay so I know it's not so much games that we've recently picked up it's games John's recently picked up yeah. games we're currently playing games John has picked up <laughs> and this week we play a game from John's collection right okay uh next piece here that we'll go into is our first article dude so we had talked about this a while back of the possibility of Silent Hills, uh, you know, potentially being picked up by Sony and Kojima being behind it. And then there's, you know, talks now of like a Silent Hills reboot and everything. So a recent article came up and they just straight up asked Kojima if he has any sort of involvement uh, with Silent Hills. And, you know, if there's any major projects going on, this was uh, Michael Beckwith at Metro.co.uk. And um, he just straight up denied it, dude. He's like, no. He's like, I'm not working on any Silent Hills projects right now. So it sounds like it's dead in the water. Yeah. I mean, the idea that after what happened with, you know, Konami and Kojima, like that he would want to be involved with them. I mean, he just made his own studio. They released their first game. There's no way that he would go back to developing. I mean, unless they hired him out, you know, as a subcontracted developer to make the game for them, I guess. But. I think that Kojima's free of them and obviously enjoyed it way too much, the freedom during the, uh, you know, Death Stranding. We all saw how that came out, and that was very Kojima. So we'll see what happens next. But, yeah, definitely not going to be a Silent Hills. Uh, I mean, I guess I would still like to see a Silent Hills. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be a Kojima game. Like, somebody else could make a Silent Hills game. Well, you know, Dying Light recently or supposed to have DLC where they're going to have Pyramid Head added to it. So they have like a whole Silent Hills DLC that's being plugged in. Oh, really? So it makes me wonder with this whole talk of, you know, Silent Hills reboot or Silent Hill reboot. And then you've got this DLC coming out like maybe there's something kind of brewing there. Uh, you know, I could potentially see there's been discussions in the past of Sony potentially picking up you know, Konami and like that being um, an organization that they would purchase or acquire. So, you know, if Konami was acquired, they get all those IPs and Kojima's always been a big, you know, supporter of the PlayStation. So I could potentially see a Silent Hills coming down the road. But as of right now, it sounds like those rumors are pretty much squashed. Yeah. Um, he did mention in this article, man, that uh, Death Stranding was profitable which mm -hmm. is good news because that means more Kojima games. But he also mentioned on there that he had a, another project he was working on that got canceled, which it always makes you wonder, like, that guy's brain is all over the place. So what could have possibly been canceled and why? Is it because, like, they saw Death Stranding and are like, my God, like, this guy just put out, you know, UPS Delivery Service 3.0 on the PlayStation 4 uh, in an open world setting. Like, what can he think of next? Lunch you know? Lady Simulator. Lunch Lady Simulator. <laughs> I mean, I got Job Simulator, so that's kind of <laughs> close, right? Uh, you know, Norman Reedus carrying around the baby and everything. Come on. Like, I could potentially see a, you know, a major publisher being like, no, <laughs> we're not going to take the risk on you with this one. So it's really interesting that, you know, something did get canceled. And, you know, he straight up says in the article here in this interview, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pissed. They canceled a recent project. Mm -hmm. there, and we, we talked about a while back. He's got, like, movie ideas and all these other yeah, crazy the things that he's doing. The potential for Kojima Productions to go into something greater 
than you know the history of games and you know just trying to redig old material and that's something i'm going to bring up in the uh next article too but i think that people like kojima need to bring us into the future of gaming and stop letting us stare back at where we came from yeah like all of these remakes and you know talks of you know older console companies coming back and everything else all these crazy rumors you know kojima is offering something fresh you know whenever like a new perspective on gaming whenever he makes something and Mm -hmm. you know his ideas while they might be all over the place it's not a 12th call of duty game and it's not another mario game or you know some other crazy franchise that you know resident evil getting remade now i think they're talking about remaking uh code veronica or veronica x or whatever it is Mm -hmm. like they're all over the place. I know Resident Evil 4 is apparently supposed to get a remake. So, yeah. you know, we're going Which back. Which barely needs it. Yeah, I know. Like, I it, love that game. I would buy it again. I I haven't bought it on uh, Switch yet, but if they did a remake and that came out on Switch, which, I mean, I guess it probably wouldn't because it'd be too graphically demanding. Yeah, arguably it's one of the better, you know, Resident Evil 4 That's games out there. It's my favorite game of all time. Yeah, a lot of people love that game. And so we go back to all this nostalgia all the time, and Kojima does offer, like, fresh perspectives on gaming, which is nice, but it's so different and out there that it doesn't really get accepted, so that kind of sucks. But, you know, I did just bring up a little bit ago, uh, there's another company looking to make a comeback in some sort of capacity or rumored to be making a comeback. So uh, let you kick that one off, man. Yeah, so uh, anybody reading online might have heard about the big Sega news that was going to come out. Uh, somebody reported that there was going to be a very big Sega announcement coming out soon, and speculation has run rampant across the internet about that what that might just be. So we're looking at why the Sega Xbox console makes sense for everyone. And this is from Game Central at Metro.co.uk. This is a... I don't know. This is a wild theory that's running out there that basically Xbox is going to let the Xbox One be sold under the Sega name just for name recognition in the Eastern market to try to pump up sales. But I agree with Game Central that uh, this is kind of a, a dumb idea. It's the games that people in those countries don't want like they're they're not trying to appeal to that audience sony nintendo like these obviously appear um appeal to that culture because they're from that culture they make a lot of games that don't release outside of the region that really hook in you know the niche audiences that are a part of that culture i'm sure some of the you know bigger you know mass multi-console titles get over there and do just as well but, you know, it's nothing that Xbox itself is making that is pulling them in, which is why I think instead of selling it, they should have Sega X exclusive games for the Xbox. Just Sega games made exclusive for the Xbox directly to appeal to that Eastern market and see if they can get, you know, some new ideas pumping like I don't think that they need to tread out Sonic and try to make Sonic the face of Xbox or anything stupid like that. But there's a lot of Sega franchises that could make a comeback or, you know, could even establish new IPs. Like Bayonetta was a a really good game that came out a while ago, and that's listed in with, the, you know, the Sega video game franchises. Like 
that brought in a lot of life into the Wii U. You know, it did very well there before it went multi-platform. You mean the Switch or the Wii U? The Wii U was when Bayonetta came out, Okay, right? yeah, I just yeah. want to make sure. Because it is on the Switch, too, I think, exclusively. Yeah, yeah, they came out with three on the Switch, yeah. when, and then they remade one and two. Uh, but a game that harkens back to Xbox for me that also has Sega is going to be Jet Set Radio. Like, I always fondly remember looking at Jet Set Radio. It was such a cool title, and when Xbox came out, it was like, this is, like, an awesome thing. Like, I haven't really seen this kind of style anywhere else, and I'd love to see something like that make a comeback or, you know, come up with some totally new... Oh, Echo the Dolphin, Ryan. Echo the Dolphin, Fantasy Star. These are all things that are still looking back. I would still like to see them, like, bring Sega in and let those Sega guys make an Xbox game that's going to only be on the Xbox and isn't going to have any of that pull. Because if you're just going to sell the console under the name then it's only the name that matters, not necessarily the IP. So if you can get that name to just make a new game, it's going to have that same kind of trust effect. So um, in this particular article, uh, th oh, we just have Game Central. There was no author for this one? I was going to reference the name. No, I mean, that's what the name says on the article. It okay, says Game well, Central. According to Game, because his last name is Central, uh, it's mentioned in this article in particular that one of the reasons that Xbox doesn't do well, and it says in there it's not a matter of, you know, Japanese consumers not wanting to support an American company because they buy things like the iPhone, right? Yeah. Now, years ago, yeah, that was probably a little true, right? Like, they're not going to jump in and, and buy Xbox when you have name brands like Sega, Nintendo, and Sony coming out of Japan. You know, why go with the American product at that point that's not really you know, it ha doesn't have that history to it. So I could see that years ago. Now it's not really as much of an issue. Um, but one of the things that he mentioned, or they mentioned in the article is Microsoft's marketing over there just sucks. And they don't have the games that, you know, really to pull in Japanese consumers. I think based on what they were saying, it makes more sense to purchase Sega or purchase exclusivity for those games for say a billion dollars, right? Just offer a huge chunk of change to them. That takes Sonic out of Nintendo, it takes, you know, multiple Sega games away from Sony, any sort of, you know, collaboration they have. I mean, it really does kind of stick it to those two companies, plus expands your market out in Japan, which has been a huge weakness uh, for the Xbox. Yeah, but I just don't, I mean, I, I hesitate to say because I'm not a big Sega person and I'm not a big Sonic person, but I don't think sonic is strong enough as a brand to make people buy an xbox like i think people still play sonic because it's available on whatever platform they're playing but it's not going to be enough to just pull them alone over there well what about uh yakuza um i mean Yaku imagine yakuza being exclusive to xbox out in japan yeah i mean that could be possible I mean, but i mean they're making so much money off of those games anyways like are they really going to be well it's only on playstation you know like i understand the user base is pretty high on that but if you're microsoft you know you're paying sega a lot of money to try and get exclusive deals to pull your system into a new market so is it worth it at that point to have you know sonic yakuza um i think valkyrie uh Chronicles is that Sega as well? I don't recall offhand, 
But, you know, there's a lot of titles out there that are under the Sega brand that... The Valkyria Chronicles yeah, games? Yeah, I'm pretty sure those are Sega. I don't yeah. know offhand. So, I mean, you have, like, JRPGs that are out of, you know, Japan through Sega that don't come over to the U.S. or really just don't make it west. You've got the Yakuza series. Um, I think Judgment was also Sega, if I'm correct. Uh, you know, you've got Sonic. You've got Echo to Dolphin, if you want to bring him up. Uh, you've got the Streets of Rage series, I mean, kind of in that respect. So, I mean, there's tons of games that were on the Sega Genesis, on the Sega Saturn, on all these Sega consoles years ago that could go through remakes and make a big splash in a Japanese market and even in the American market or really the Western market. So I can see them doing something like that. Now, the thing that's obviously kind of been brought up is Sega doing a new console but you know a lot of people have said sega doesn't have the money and they don't have the technology to do that so that's where it kind of comes in of, well and to make an announcement of but that's doing a console while the xbox and ps5 are already fully ramped so up would be weird that's where that rumor of the whole like they're xbox gonna, they're with gonna the do sega the announcement label. say it's out today and just repeat yeah, <laughs> they're well, errors of the so past. Here's the thing. What if Microsoft backed it and said, hey, we're going to just call this a Dreamcast 2? Like the Dreamcast is already one of those like consoles that people really love and it wasn't successful. It's one of those like iconic consoles that just died. Right. So imagine a Dreamcast 2 is announced. It's backed by Microsoft. And oh, by the way, the announcement is June 4th and Sony has their big release on June 5th. What better way to just, you know, stick it to Sony than to announce we're having a new console launch like that just takes away all of that momentum from Sony. Like Sony's already screwed up with their whole release process and giving, you know, all the marketing that's tied to it. And, you know, it's pretty much been like this dead thing. Like this is supposed to be the big, exciting piece for Sony, right? For PS5, the thing that's supposed to get people like clamoring for it and excited Microsoft could very easily tie something into Sega that just shakes up the whole industry and just brushes Sony aside and just puts them over on the edge. Like, I could see this being a, a potential console through Sega, man, well, with Microsoft in collaboration. Well, we'll find out next week. Well, really? For sure. This week, I think. Uh, oh, Thursday. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's Sunday today. Yeah. So, it so is the article week, yeah. comes out uh, Thursday, I think, through, is it Fatsumo or is it, I forget which... Which one it is? It's going to be releasing the article. Um, Ryan's looking up right now, but you know that's pending if we end up with a situation where it's leaked in advance. I mean, it is an article, right? It's got to go through editors, and a number of people are going to have their hands on that. So the possibility of that article leaking is, you know, also, you know, in the realm of possibilities. So uh, the next piece um, we'll tie into while you're looking that up is uh, an article by Jim Ryan at Giz China. I didn't realize that was a publication, but... Yeah, Famitsu. Oh, Famitsu. Okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, PlayStation 5 will reflect best pricing, but it may not be cheap. So we've talked about pricing in the past. We've seen this thing anywhere from 450 to 700 to 650 My projected $1,000 bundle with a PSVR 2. Well, I saw an article recently that said an entry-level... Or not entry-level. It would be like the premier like pro version of like 1.65 terabytes of you know hard drive space and some upgraded specs and everything all the flops all the flops um would be somewhere in a range of about 600 to 650 is what i saw in a recent rumor uh but that's a pro type version which makes you wonder 
do and we've talked about this releasing a prototype version at a much higher price point. I think point. we've talked about everything we with have, this. <laughs> we have talked about it. But I don't remember if we talked about this in particular. And then at the same time, releasing a lower end PS5 that the general consumer could get their hands on. Uh, I mean, I'm just so tired of speculating all of this. I really hope that they just lay it all down on the table so we could be over it. But I mean, if you want to if you want to call like final predictions now that we're hopefully up against the actual announcement and we'll actually have results Two ninety nine. what are you going <laughs> to what's going to be your prediction if you were establishing price point betting odds, what I think, would you do? I think price point on this thing is going to be four hundred fifty dollars. Um, I think we're going to see cross compatibility, not cross compatibility, uh, backwards compatibility right out the gate, uh, with, well, they already have over a hundred games that are, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like with a software download of some sort, similar to Xbox 360. And, uh, I could see them saying, Hey, we're going to have, um, last of us two on here, ghost of Tsushima, like all of these are, or ghost of Tsushima. All these games will be released as well on PS five. I can see that happening right out the gate. And you're banking on multiple versions at release, multiple, nah, maybe not multiple versions right at release. Well, yeah, yeah. Cause it's released in holiday season. So yeah. And I could potentially see June 5th. Can you imagine if we get a God of war unveiled on June 5th? So, I mean, that right there would just, like, pump everybody up for this console. So, 450, potential God of War coming out. Um, I could see a secondary console hitting the market uh, with it. So, a pro-type version right out the gate. And So, you think we'll see all that on Friday? I think we'll hear about it. We may not get all the, the details, but I think they're going to just lay it all out. They said, look, what we're doing here, I think it's actually mentioned in this article, Sony is trying to make this so that... Um, this is just as exciting as it would be at E3. That's yeah. what their goal is. Their goal is to make this, you know, even more exciting than if you were in the auditorium I know, it's going to be E3. sad without E3. I know, it really is. Hopefully these uh, these things they're going to be releasing online will be worth the watch. I mean, I, I've never been to E3. I've only ever watched it online anyways, but, you know, it would be nice to see that same kind of level of quality and hype carry through in individual self-promoted videos. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess back on that, that last little bit there with the PS5 announcement, everything kind of going on. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think all of that's going to occur. They're going to talk about that, uh, really pump people up for it. And, you know, we'll really see what Sony has to offer of that on June 5th. Hopefully, you know, we get some leaks. One other piece, though, I actually saw it was another article that um, I was reading this morning. I, I can't find it. I was trying to find it later on is they said that the PS5 is supposed to be double the size and thickness of the PS4 Pro. What? Yeah. That's what I was reading. Oh, so by that. I don't know, man. You look at well, we've Xbox already, with we've the giant brick. We've already seen the, the prototype. The yeah. prototype was not that big. Have you seen somebody's hands around the prototype? I think so. I don't think so, man. So, And that's just a prototype. So that's, you know, how many fans are in that thing? Like, is that thing being run for... 8, 12 hours a day for gaming? I mean, maybe. So, it'll be... You know it would be really cool, actually? That'd be a really cool collector's piece. That prototype. It actually looks oh, pretty wow, sweet. That, that is pretty thick. I found a picture of it up against a mouse. A like a desktop mouse? mouse? Yeah. yeah, so that's like, what, three computer mouses? So Yeah, yeah. that's looking pretty fat. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> PS5 so fat. Here's, here's my prediction. I think that we're definitely finally going to see what it's going to look like. I think that it's going to be $500. 
I don't think we're going to get any new game announcements, but I think that maybe they'll show off PSVR. I think that, that that's a piece of the puzzle that we've still yet to see. Maybe it's just because um, I played some more Half-Life Alex and thought it was super awesome, but like... That was a big shakeup. I mean, Half-Life Alex is the Mario 64 of VR games. Like this is it's going to be that kind of milestone marker in that movement. And I think that uh Sony being able to jump on and demonstrate, well, I guess if they were going to demonstrate PSVR, they would probably have a new game to announce. So I'll say a PSVR game and PSVR two or at least something about the connectivity with psvr one and um no multiple versions at launch i don't think that and uh i mean looking at these pictures now maybe it is going to be kind of like a fat ugly console like i really hope they don't keep this like v design for five because that seems like something foolish but i also don't like most of the mock-ups that i've seen i haven't really seen a mock-up that i love i have a feeling it's probably going to be uh dual color like the controller i would love to see a white console at launch dude man i wanted a white ps3 so bad they had an import one at atomic uh, comics forever or maybe it was the gamestop at the mall i can't remember one of those two places had it and I wanted it so bad, and it was backwards compatible, and well, I dude, never got it. Uh, I think it's out in Europe, if I'm correct. They have, like, the car colors for the PlayStation console, so there's, like, a, a automotive blue and an automotive yellow. And I love other color consoles. When I was in Japan, actually has a, uh, I think it's a cherry blossom pink for the PS2. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I remember uh, when I worked in a game store years ago, we had picked up a Japanese PS2 console and some games, and, yeah, there's a cherry blossom... Uh, style ps2 that came in and dude that thing looked sweet all right cherry blossom at launch cherry blossom ps4 or ps5 yeah oh yeah so, I'd, be, I'd be stoked for that yeah i just i'm so sorry that i'm just not enthused about speculating on the ps5 stuff anymore it's just gotten so old and we've talked it to death so just like that's all i want like i honestly i don't care i don't care you want to show the, me what it looks it? like you want VR tell me how much price. it costs and I'll be happy. I don't even need to see the VR to be happy. But it's just like, it, once those two things are out of the way, we already know all the performance stuff. So hopefully we we could just be done with it and we can just be like, all right, which one is the better one before they even come out? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I really want to see, I definitely want to see more gameplay of different games. And I, I really do want to see VR. That's not something I even considered when I was giving my prediction to you. Um, I could see them unveiling some sort of VR too at that point. It's been super hush hush. We really haven't heard much about it uh, since the initial. Uh, it you know, will be. Yeah, it will happen at some point, and there's the speculation of it's wireless and everything else. Yeah. If they show a wireless VR headset with like gloves or something instead of the controls themselves, dude, like just watch out. Like that would be sick. Yeah, that's what my friend says. The haptic feedback gloves are going to change everything. Yes. So uh, if something like that is announced by Sony, that's going to be flipping huge. Did you see, did we talk about this? Um, it was a PS5 controller and that you'll be able to feel like the different elements while you're playing apparently because of the haptic feedback. 
yeah, there's going to be like uh, tension triggers and stuff like that. They're saying make it like cool. They're saying like you could tell like when it's raining or you could tell yeah. when it's like cold and stuff. Yeah. So we'll see how advanced that is. I mean, I don't think anything since one two switch has used the HD rumble feature of the switch. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Which I think this is the first time we haven't talked Nintendo in a uh, or advanced Nintendo in a podcast episode in quite some time. Yeah. So. All right, dude. Well, uh, if there's nothing else, I know you're so excited about the PlayStation 5 and speculation. Uh, let's jump into our inflation deflation game of the week. Uh, so this one is going to be Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, developed by Neversoft, published by Activision, released in October of 2001. And of course, it is a sports genre game. So, Ryan... I absolutely demolished you today in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. No surprise there. So, uh, you know, I definitely played a ton of this game when I was a kid. I definitely played most of the Tony Hawks, I think. I skipped I skipped two because I didn't have it. And I skipped uh, Underground 1, but I played tons of Underground 2. I remember running 3 all the time. And playing it with my friends and man with the announcement of the uh tony hawk pro skater one and two remaster that really makes me want to probably pick those up when those come out did you see the collector's edition for it i did not it was does it come with a skateboard it comes with a skateboard deck and it was 99 dollars. oh wow i was so pissed i missed out on that i was gonna mm. buy it like i saw it, i'm like i gotta buy this and uh yeah the only way I could get is if it was shipped out from like the UK oh. and shipping fees and import stuff like all of that is just ridiculous. So I end up not being able to get a copy of it. Well, but yeah, you can't win them all, John. No, I can't win them all. But yeah, this is a this is a super great game. Lots of fond memories of this game. Lots of uh, replayability. You know, you can play a two player. There's tons of different modes. There's uh, horse and slap and graffiti you know lots of different things to keep you interested with your friends like customizing characters i forget if this one has a skate park maker i'm pretty sure it has that i think they all do yeah and uh you know cheat codes uh, unlockable characters you know going through the story mode or single player mode there's lots of different challenges in all the different maps it's got that same style of you know skater late 90s early 2000s humor you know throw in bam margera and some jackass crew once you get into the underground series and well this one had bam margera as well yeah this one yeah. has bam as a skater it's uh it really brings back a lot to me especially because I was never really a skateboarder. Like I had a skateboard and I loved all this part of it. Like I just listened to Tony Hawk had a, a podcast with Joe Rogan last week. And it was awesome to just listen to him talk about stuff for a while and really kind of be like, you know, I, I know nothing about skateboarding except for you in these games. And even that is something that I don't know that much. All I know is that I love it no matter what like if we hadn't played this game today and i went 10 years without playing a tony hawk game again i would still be like just as yeah dude that's awesome tony hawk's sick uh the games are sick skateboarding's cool as hell e even though it never was really a big part of my life i mean these games really helped bring up a kind of culture around this at that time when it was really blowing up yeah, for sure. And, and you know, with Tony Hawk 1, 2, and 3, 
three wasn't one I really got into. I kind of skipped that and four, really. Uh, I played a lot of one, and then I played a lot of two growing up on the PS1. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed I didn't have it. So with that one, dude, I just remember Power Man 5000. Like, that's how I got into Power Man 5000. Shout out to the music. Yeah, the music's always been great in those games. Uh, Hangar, uh, I think it's Hangar, is that one level that has, like, the helicopter and everything. It just all the different areas like if you grind on one thing it blows up and opens up a whole other level and you know just crazy crazy like cool stuff mm-hmm. for those levels very um, imaginative yeah like, for for being like a game about skateboarding it's v- way more than just that like uh a game about football is basically just a football game it doesn't have this whole culture and like you know all the brands like I don't know anything about skateboards. I can't remember all the brand names right now, but like there were tons of just logos and stuff from like tech decks and things that it's like, I knew all of that Yeah, at one point or another with being just so barely knowing anything about it from what it actually is. Well, and I think the levels that, you know, it's interesting that number two is the one getting re well remade. Um, but number two has like some iconic levels, like the school Venice beach, uh, you know, I'd mentioned a it's, hanger. It's one and two. One and two. You know, I know it's one and two, but I'm saying like two is kind of the one I think everybody's going to be looking forward to the most. I think that's the one that really kind of catapulted that series onto that next level mm-hmm. and an underground as well. So I don't know how much of underground you played. I didn't play much of underground one. I played way more of underground two. Yeah. So underground, I on I my mean, PSP, you saw what I was doing, like unloading like 30,000 point yeah, combos yeah. just and I haven't played this game in years underground i was hitting like one million point combos and stuff in underground with my manuals and grinding and everything Mm -hmm. else so um underground was one of my all-time favorites i would say it probably is my favorite of the series uh primarily because of story component that's on there building the skater from nothing into like this huge celebrity and there's just a huge story component that goes with it that i really enjoyed and number two and number three and all that don't have that but they're still good in their own respect so number three really did remind me of number one and two while we were playing that. And it was a lot of fun. Like, I honestly don't think I've played number three, like ever. So being able to boot that up and kind of have like a new experience in a way was actually pretty cool. And it was fun being able to play a game together again after all this time. Oh, my God, dude. Like sitting here playing Super R-Type and not having somebody yell at it with me was like <laughs> the worst thing ever, which I still got to beat it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so breaking it down for everybody, uh the numbers we've got complete inbox this is 11 dollars currently that peaked at 11.56 just last month which would be april 2020 uh right now it's trending up uh it's loose right now for 774 which is the current peak and that's going up too so apparently everybody's jumping on the tony hawk train in anticipation for these new remake releases i guess dude everything like we looked at my copy of tony hawk's underground uh one and i didn't have the disc in there and i was so pissed so i'm like oh let me find a loose copy 20 bucks yeah like for a loose copy of it so the most expensive version of this game you could buy is the n64 version for 48 dollars then the cheapest version you could buy is the pal gba version for 344 i'm gonna probably advise you to stay away from that i would probably any gba based tony hawk game i'd probably say stay away from in general yeah yeah unless you're playing on like a ds or a 3ds it's probably not going to be worth that price point yeah regardless so, dude, it's really interesting that the N64 version is so high, but with this whole, like, 
pandemic and everybody just like all the game stores were closed down. So people just had this like big kick of well, let me look at nostalgia type stuff. Everything just skyrocketed, man. GameCube games are up the ass right now. N64, Xbox surprisingly isn't yet. But I just saw that PS2 games are starting to go up again. Like, it's nuts. Yeah. Like, PS1's even going up now. Yeah. It's crazy. I I couldn't imagine trying to play Tony Hawk on an N64 controller. That just would seem so bizarre because I've never even tried it. I think I have it on number for number three, if I'm correct, or number two. We should play Tony Hawk on an N64 at some point and compare as to how difficult it really is and how terrible it is to play on an N64 controller. Yeah. Like, how would you even do that with the one joystick? Well, well you probably would use the D-pad. I guess, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what we use as D-pads today. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you've only... Get, like, you've got your big A, B, and then what are you using? C buttons for the oh, other two? Who knows? And then the Z button? Where the hell does that come in? I don't know. Dude, the N64 controller sucks. Right. It's honestly... My I least, love it though. <laughs> it is my least favorite controller in the history of controllers. I would much rather use an Atari controller and or joystick than I would an N64 controller. They are terrible. Now the Hori controllers, the uh, the secondary ones that look like a real controller, uh-huh. and the retro I think it's Retro Bit made one as well for N64. Those look like controllers. Whatever Nintendo did, they were snorting lines of coke while they were trying <laughs> to make that stuff, man. So, oh, banana. <laughs> Um, yeah, and DK64 is another thing that they were snorting coke when they made it. So, all right, where are you at on this one, man? At um, $11, that's the high right now on a complete in-box for this particular game. Dude, yeah, 11 bucks. 11 bucks for this? Totally. You could get way more than $11 out of this game. Easy. Oh. Oh, and yeah. it's like, it's one of those games that if you bought this for your collection would be totally worth playing. Like, there's so many games that you're going to buy for a collection that you hope you'll get to one day or that you know you'll never get to. This is one of those games that if you had it, it would be a delight to play whenever you wanted to go to it. And, I mean, apparently it's going up, you know? Like, if it keeps going up, I mean, I guess if the N64 version is the one you got to have, maybe 48 bucks isn't worth it. But uh, 11 bucks for the PS2 version, definitely, uh, I, I would say as much as 15 would be okay for this. Yeah, I'm right in there with you, man. I, I would honestly say that, I'm not going to say 20 that's a little high, but, you know, if it got to $20 and it just kept going up and up and up on a complete inbox. If it looks like it's going to go out of control wild. Yeah, I mean, if it hits $20, you still wouldn't really be doing yourself a disservice buying this game because it's just a good game. Now, if it's number two and we're talking 20 bucks, then hell yeah, you know, if that's where it's at. I, don't, I honestly don't know where number two's at right now, but um, yeah, dude, $11, no brainer. Pick it up. It's totally worth it. Especially since it's been hitting its record right now, now would be the time to buy before it gets any higher. Unless well, you want to wait a year and see if it comes down. Yeah, I mean, and right now it's really hype, right? So you've got Tony Hawk's one and two coming out, remastered or redone or whatever the hell we're doing. And yeah, everything like all the Tony Hawk games are up right now. Every single one of them. Like there's I don't think there's a one that's like not looking like it's peaking at this point in time. So to to be fair and honest, we did not actually look at all of the numbers. So if some of those numbers aren't true, don't yell at us. We're speculating right now. Speculation. But looking at Underground 1, 2 and this version and also on the N64, I could probably safely say, but don't quote me on it. 
they're probably all going up right now. And yeah. it's it's except for the GBA versions. Those are just terrible. Yeah. Those are horrible games. With the exception of the GBA versions, I'd probably buy any Tony Hawk game for 15 bucks. No, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much value that you get out of a game like that. Like we said. And like the music alone is great. Like you would pay 15 bucks to buy all of those songs on iTunes. Yeah, exactly. So like, why not relax, sit back, bust your ass on a skateboard, you know, because you suck until you improve and listen to really good music as you do unlockables i mean come on the secret tapes the the skate symbol tagging things like just grinding on rail. like we had to grind a rail to knock the foreman of you know the um the cons- or the, the metal the work facility yeah. yeah into a pool of water like come on like there's really cool stuff like that and it's just like so obscure and random uh it's just fun classic mischief classic classic mischief so yeah i'm on the same uh, boat as you man i would call this one deflated 100 percent deflated uh and hopefully uh, once we get our website built up we can start linking people over there and being like look check out all of our previous episodes that you could catch and where can they find us ryan they can find us online at uh, any of the social medias at the Game Deflators, Facebook, Instagram, except for Twitter, just Game Deflators. And of course, if you're catching us at the tail end of this episode, catch our podcast on all the podcast applications out there. So Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict. I can name probably 10. Uh, there's a lot more than that, though. So if you don't see us on there, let us know. We'll hop on. And of course, give us some five star reviews. Uh, dude, so before we close out, we've got a pretty cool, ep- well, not our episode, but we're going to be on the Game Tenets podcast uh, coming up here pretty soon. So it's going to be Church, who is with uh, Game Grinder, and you've got Jason, who is Corpse Flood Gaming. Uh, so they got a really cool podcast that, you know, we've been catching for really since, you know, we pay attention to that since we started podcasting ourselves. And mm-hmm. a couple of really good guys are going to have us on there, and we're going to have some pretty cool topics. Uh, we're not going to reveal what they are right now because it's kind of in the works, but Dude, they're they're pretty funny. Like the uh, the conversations we had on Facebook the other day with them discussing topics was awesome. So yeah, if I'm uh, if you guys want to catch us on there, go ahead and give them a listen. Uh, search for the Game Tenants podcast. I'm sure that they're on all of the same places yeah. we are: Spotify, iHeart, yeah, all I know those different places. I know they're on um, SoundCloud, SoundCloud. Um, but I catch them on YouTube, so they actually okay. upload their podcast to YouTube as okay, well. Okay, so catch them at Game Tenants at YouTube. Let them know the Game Deflator sent you, and that you're waiting to listen and see how we all get on when we hang out. Yeah, and of course, get both of their pages likes. I know they don't have a Game Tenets page, but they have... Uh, so you got Game Grinder, you've got his page mm-hmm. uh, through Facebook and he Twitter. He puts out some good stuff. Yeah, he's got some good... He actually has some pretty cool, like, um, unveiling videos, like whenever he gets a collector's edition mm-hmm. or a limited run game, he'll open those up, which are pretty cool. And uh, you've got Corpse Flood Gaming, so uh, check both those guys out. And we'll definitely... I guess if you listen to them, too, we'll catch you on that episode. Otherwise, we'll catch you next week. Do you know what you want to play next week? Uh, yeah, I do. I want to play uh, Katamari Damacy because I've never played really? it. Really? Yeah. Wait, you haven't played it? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, that game's a ton of fun. Yeah, I I, I want to play Katamari. I uh, PS2 or P- I think I had PS3 version. I could see it up there on PS2. We'll we'll pick which one we want to play. But I just I earlier today when I was talking about uh. Jet Set Radio, I was thinking the art style from Jet Set Radio, and for whatever reason, like, the bold colors and stuff made me immediately think of Katamari, and I've been trying to, like, think about it all 
you know the rest of the recording and i'm like yeah that's what we should play yeah dude katamari is one of those games that i've just really enjoyed over the years i should probably buy all of them when uh while i can while they're cheap because i don't think they're they're really high up there right now uh, i think i have two i have katamari is it damacy and then we love katamari yeah those are both titles yeah so i think i have both of those games so yeah i'm pretty sure i do so we'll have to choose which one of those we want to play and uh we'll have that recorded next week all right well this has been episode 82 of the game the flaters podcast my name's john i'm ryan and thanks for listening